Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? Quite well. I'm I'm working on my grammar since our last uh, couple episodes. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm doing quite well, but I'm also doing good. Uh, okay. Trying to give back <laughs> or give forward, right? Which is doing good. So Yes. All right, so vocabulary quiz and a sentence diagramming quiz uh, tonight at 11, so y'all join us for that. Um, Greg, we've got a great show lined up here today. Uh, we're going to be focused on not diagramming, I promise y'all, so stay tuned with us. We're going to be focused on, instead, three powerful trends shaping not just the supply chain industry, but heck, shaping global business. Right, Greg? Yeah, um, so that, you know, we're back into... Uh, in-person event mode, right? And and how manifest and promat and everything, every <clears throat> kind of uh, event that you could contemplate, and people are sharing ideas like crazy. That's right, day, right. So it's good to see that back. People getting back in person. Going to be interesting to hear what people are saying, right, and what they're doing. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. What folks are saying and what business leaders are doing. That's going to be a big theme of our conversation here today. So folks, get ready. I did not know that. <laughs> beyond Greg and beyond these two dynamos we're about to introduce, we want to hear from you too. So uh, let's say hello to a few folks, uh, Greg, around the globe. We got Jacqueline tuned in via LinkedIn from Miami, as Bobby Bowden used to pronounce mm -hmm. it, Miami, Florida. Uh, of course, or, Catherine. Or as the natives of, of Miami say, Miami. Okay. <laughs> a different strokes, different folks. I love it. Um, of course, Catherine and Amanda, Chantel, Clay, all folks behind the scene, scenes helping to make production happen. Thank you for that. Rosita tuned in from Anchorage, Alaska. Wow. I bet that is a gorgeous image there, Greg, huh? Yeah. Alaska, the home of now, home of Zach Brown. Okay. Right? Always singing about the beach, but living in Alaska. Love the okay. irony there. <laughs> uh, Adam Smith tuned in from LinkedIn from the UK. Great to see you, Mark, up in Seattle. Glormar is back with us. Glormar, thank you for the great question yesterday as we had Mike Griswold from Gartner on and Jenny Froome, of course. Uh, Brian Birch from Northern Kentucky. Kevin from New Jersey. Kevin, we're going to be talking about New Jersey here in just a second. And Jacqueline says, you nailed it. I think you nailed it, Greg. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so great to see you here. Uh, I know we couldn't hit everybody, but welcome, welcome. And we look forward to everyone's take on what we're going to be chatting through here today. So speaking of Greg, we've got a mm. big show to get to. Are you ready to bring on our two our our, our heck of a one-two punch here today? I am now. Yes. Okay. I just need that half second, but now <laughs> I'm ready. Yes, let's definitely do that. Your timing is my timing, my friend. So with that said, let's bring on Rob Schaefer, Vice President, Transportation Management Sales with Manhattan Associates, and his colleague, Bryant Smith, Director of Product Management at Manhattan. Hey, hey, Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good afternoon. 
Great to see you. And Brian, how you doing? I think I have to say well at this point, right? I'm doing well. So Brian uh, actually provided the guidance in the green room. So thank you for tuning in. <laughs> this. I really appreciate it. All right. So lessons, <laughs> lessons abound here today. So and you got a big crowd. Uh, y'all must have quite the rock and roll star following Rob and Brian. But great to have everybody. So um, before we get into the center plate item, we want to start with a little fun warm-up question. And I think this is going to be, this is going to relate to a lot of folks here, I think. So it's didn't have any idea there's such a day, but it's National Egg McMuffin Day. Yes, parades everywhere, folks. It was invented by accident back in 1972. And the first Egg McMuffin was sold at a Belleville, New Jersey McDonald's. I can't remember who, uh, it was Kevin tuned in from New Jersey. So what maybe y'all don't know, a lot of folks may not know, is it really transformed the McDonald's business and enterprise from burger only to now a go-to breakfast place. It changed revenue, it changed how they grew and, and how they expanded. Now everybody, a lot of folks will pull in through a McDonald's for an egg McMuffin and a coffee. So with all of that as a backdrop, Rob, I'm going to start with you. What is your go-to breakfast when you can cheat on your diet a little bit? So the when I can cheat on my diet a bit is key because I try not to go there. But uh, I'm pretty basic. I'm a, I'm a three egg over easy bacon, potatoes, sourdough bread, and a cup of coffee with cream. Oh man, Greg, that does that resonate with you? Yeah, that's a good start. Okay, <laughs> okay, love it. And and I love how he said it's consistent. It's his go to. Uh, all right, so Bryant, how about you? Asking me tough to beat. Well, I mean, Rob gave the example, but that's just like a normal breakfast for me it's like when are you gonna cheat in there uh i'm going with biscuits and gravy biscuits oh. and gravy it's good okay so i gotta ask you a key follow-up tabasco on those biscuits and gravy on the side just in okay. case all right all right hey to each his own greg all right so we got uh, three eggs over easy we got biscuits and gravy which is one of my favorites greg uh, biscuits and gravy, three pancakes smothered in syrup, and five eggs scrambled hard. Oh, really? Hey, wow. you said cheat. <laughs> I'm really embracing the rock, right? Dwayne Johnson's methodology of cheating. If you've ever, oh. and by the way, if you haven't seen that, just watch it. Just Google Dwayne Johnson cheat meal, and you will be truly impressed. <laughs> uh, all right, man, y'all really brought it. All three of y'all brought it today. I'm and Brian, I would just echo your biscuits and gravy made. You know, uh, my dad makes a good one, but my mother in law also, Val, makes a wonderful biscuits and gravy. So, for those of right. you who selected biscuits and gravy, sausage gravy, I presume, which seems to be the only way that it makes sense. Yes, yes, okay, no doubt. No doubt. Um, all right, folks, feel free to drop y'all's go-to breakfast in the comments. Well, I'm sure that'll be, uh, we'll be developing a theme there. We love talking food here, but really today, Greg, Rob, and Brian, we're here to talk about some of the top, really, uh, arguably the top three trends really shaping global supply chain. So, uh, before we get there though, uh, Rob, you and Brian have been out there, uh, move, uh, you know, uh, talking with and working with the movers and shakers of industry. Um, also being in person, Greg mentioned some, you know, we're back in, uh, in-person event mode, which is great, right? You can reconnect with friends as well as pick up market Intel on that latter note, Rob, we'll start with you here. What were folks talking about at manifest out in Vegas a few weeks back? 
Yeah, you know, it, it was interesting. Uh, it was good to be in person with people once again. Um, generally, when we attend conferences, it's as a vendor, right? So we're kind of we have a, a booth set up in the vendor area. We probably don't get to uh, go to as many sessions as we might want to. So we took a different tack here with Manifest. It's the first time we'd been there, and we went as an attendee. Right. We wanted to go to all of the sessions. We wanted to hear what our customers and prospects were hearing from, uh, you know, the industry leaders. And, and it was very, very apparent over the two and a half days that there was a common theme across all of the sessions. And that was sustainability, collaboration and artificial intelligence. Right. Okay. And, and it was, you know, this wasn't just a transportation conference. It was a supply chain conference. Right. So so those three topics uh, spanned, you know, multiple areas. Right. So sustainability wasn't just what we would impact in terms of, you know, lower CO2 emissions or, you know, building better routes, driving fewer miles, those sorts of things. Right. It was, you know, EV manufacturers. Right. Talking about, you know, in the future, there will be electric semis and all those sorts of things. So each component kind of had a. Um, a part that was available today versus here's what we're looking to in the future, right? Mm. Same way with collaboration. Uh, you know, there's visibility today. Where's my Where's my product in motion? But there was also a lot of discussion around collaboration, where you know the vendor, the steamship line, uh, the port, the transload uh, facility, the the dray leg rail everybody sharing information instantaneously and carriers uh, broadcasting their capacity to everyone, right? So these giant like collaboration marketplaces, right? Which sounds really cool, but it doesn't exist today, right? Mm. Uh, same way with artificial intelligence, right? I, I Artificial intelligence kind of reminds me of when blockchain became available, right? Everyone was like, blockchain, I need to find a problem that I can fix with blockchain, right? <laughs> now everyone's talking about artificial intelligence that it will fix everything my my personal opinion is it's really cool it's a little bit scary um but it needs to be pointed at the appropriate problem with the right use case with the correct data and a lot of it to become valuable right so again th those were three kind of cool uh topics that had both um uh, it, it could be adapted to both what's happening today and what they see happening in the future. So uh, I'll turn it over to Brian, see if he has any comments. He was there as well, but that, that's what I heard. Brian? Yeah, that's great. And, you know, it was good getting out there and, and talking to customers, stakeholders, uh, industry folks, and, and sharing that knowledge. You know, Rob hit the top of the waves there really nicely. What I would say is, you know, there's some players in the industry that, you know, accelerate in one or two of those particular areas. And there's some that are on different levels of the spectrum. So um, they might be just starting their journey with sustainability or machine learning or visibility. And there's some that have progressed very nicely over the last, you know, several years. So um, I think the, the point was, is we can help each other. It doesn't matter what side of the spectrum you're on is we're keeping the conversations open we're sharing best practices and uh we're, we're progressing in the in the industry well said brian i love that and rob thank you for keeping it real uh that was a great summary greg way in here uh but after what rob and brian uh said about their experiences some of the conversations and some of the topics out there your thoughts greg yeah we are finally coming around to instead of ai or blockchain or whatever RPA, a hammer looking for nails. We are finally going, what problem could we really solve 
what really requires to be solved by AI. And um, do we have the data to do it? That lots and lots of data is really key. Imagine, I. To, hopefully this makes you feel better, Rob, but I don't think of it, AI as a as an hyper-intelligent overlord. I think of it more as like a child. It needs to be taught. It needs to learn from data. It needs to learn from practices that are instilled in it by um, people actually doing the job. Um, but it, and it does take a lot of data. You know, human beings take in a lot of data every single day to learn how to speak, how to walk, how to, you know, do all of the uh, things that we do argue, um, that <laughs> right. So, um, so, so it, you know, it, I, I think there's less concern about that than there ought to be. We've already discovered with chat GPT that it's intellect is very detectable yep. by other AI and already able to be alerted by that really smart kid from Princeton who figured out how to know that chat GPT had written people's papers, stuff like that is, um, is truly impressive. But nonetheless, it is most important that we recognize that these things are just another ha- type of hammer, yeah. right? So find the right nail and find, uh, you know, if you can't solve it another way, then that's when you start looking at some of these more advanced technologies. Love that. Okay, Rob, your quick response. And then then I'm going to share a couple quick comments and we're going to dive into the, the, the three big trends we're going to talk about. Rob? Oh, I mean, a response to that is, is I, I agree. It's just that when you're teaching somebody, you have to be teaching them with the right data, right, to come up with the right result. Right. So, so that, that, that's my whole thing. Lots of data, but more, most importantly, needs to be the correct data. Yeah. Right? Yes. And then it will become very, very useful. Okay. All so right. We're all trying to figure out how to do it. <laughs> Greg, Rob, and Bryant, what a wonderful start. All right. So now that I'm hungry, but uh, we've talked uh, AI. Uh, so I'm sure we'll be uh, stirring some thoughts out there amongst all the folks in the cheap seats. Speaking of which, uh, Adam, uh, chips, fries, and gravy in England. That's the go-to breakfast. I love that. Uh, Mickey, great to see you tuned in yes. from India. What's chips that, Greg? French fries. French fries for breakfast. I can get behind that. <laughs> right. Right. And my fellow veteran. Hey, Jeremy, how you doing? Greetings, he says, from the Flint Hills of Kansas. I love that. I wonder what town um, it is. Gosh, I hope he hasn't told me already. Yeah. What's the town, Jeremy? Jeremy, let us know where you're tuned in from. Um, okay. So, Greg, Rob, and Bryant, I want to keep moving. So, you know, we've, we've set the table, y'all's perspective. I appreciate y'all sharing what some of the conversations out there, as well as some of the conversations going on in boardrooms and, and leadership rooms in supply chain right now related to some of the technology y'all mentioned. But let's talk about these three key trends that we alluded to on the front end that are really shaping global supply chain, global business, you name it. Uh, Rob, where are we starting on our top three list here today? So we're going to start with the labor shortage, right? So, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, not necessarily a trend, but right, these are concerns that that people are sharing with us that while, you know, things have calmed down a little bit in supply chain, right? I mean, things have eased up with, you know, price of containers, ocean shipping uh, capacity in terms of carriers, those sorts of things. What hasn't eased up is is the labor shortage itself, right? So a couple of reasons. One are there's been a lot of retirements. Um, you know, the, the the average age in supply chain, it might be a little bit older than, than some areas. And during uh, COVID, a lot of people retired. Uh, people continue to retire. Uh, the ability to backfill those positions uh, with, with younger folks, 
isn't happening as quickly as, as some people would like. You know, people have choice and they're making different career choices. Um, so then it kind of the challenge to the to the employer or the shipper is number one, employee retention. I need to hold on to the employees that I have. Uh, number two, since I don't have enough of them, I need to make them more efficient. Right. And, and I, that doesn't mean I'm making them do more work and, and work longer hours. I'm just trying to to make what they do today easier and potentially have them to be able to do more in the same time frame. Uh, and again, get the most out and kind of eliminate that waste. Right. And lastly is the I, I do need to attract new talent. Right. I mean, everybody's trying to fish off of each other's peer um, in, in the way that you want to attract that that talent. Right. Is you want to be the company that people either want to work for or want to do business with. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and there's technology that enables all three of those things. And I'm going to throw it over to Brian, who's going to talk a little bit about that. Brian, what would you add? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, the conversations that we're having with our partners, our customers, our suppliers. It's all about how can we do more with less and for the reasons that Rob just explained. And what we're hearing and what we're seeing is they're taking kind of two-phased approach, two-pronged approach. There's things you can do from a technology perspective to help offset some of those challenges that you're experiencing in labor shortage, but there's things you can do from a process perspective as well. As well. It doesn't always need to be a technology solve. So, you know, some examples uh, of who we talked to and what we've seen, uh, we're seeing more robotics in warehouses to help, you know, load, unload, stack away products, because these robots can, can work all day, all night, and really um, suboptimal uh, conditions that you know normally would require human intervention, uh, but we're also seeing even more easy stuff like just putting a kiosk at the gate. So yep. you don't need a human to check you in uh, to tell you to go to which dock door. You can just use a kiosk and say, "Hey, back your truck up into this dock, and you're ready to go." So you can kind of offset in that way. Um, but then you're seeing automation right, is how can I take these manual processes, time-consuming processes, and automate them in a way so that I'm more efficient? And again, that's all in the spirit of, you know, do more with less. And then, of course, you know, from a process perspective is how can we help our drivers, our dock workers, uh, our front office, our back office, so that we are a shipper of choice or we are a carrier of choice because those types of things matter when it comes to uh, working together. And, and as Rob said, who you're working with and who you're working for and who you're partnering with. Uh, so those, those are the things that we're seeing out in the field. Well said, Bryant. Uh, there's pesky manual processes, uh, Greg. We were talking about that earlier this week. Your thoughts on uh, the labor shortage trend uh, from what Rob and Bryant has shared, Greg. Yeah, it is the root of all evil in supply chain. I mean, it is the it is the core cause of all of the problems in supply chain. Look, let's face it, except for the complete shutdown of an entire society on the planet, right? Sending everyone home. Um, supply chains have faced all of the other, all of the other disruptions that we're seeing now. We have seen since the pandemic. Um, they've seen geopolitical disruption. They've seen wars. They've seen ships stuck in the Suez Canal. They've seen all of these other things. The difference being 
you have to remember in 2019, prior to COVID, we had a 10% unemployment, over 10% unemployment rate in supply chain alone in the States, right? Then 2021, uh, the generation that Rob is talking about, the baby boomers, the, the myth of the great resignation is that it was Gen X, Y, and Z that were re- resigning, but it was really the baby boomers three already. 10,000 baby boomers were leaving the workforce every single day and 3.1 million additional left in 2021 during the great resignation, which I think a lot of people have realized should have been called the great retirement. And they're never coming back. Uh-huh. And those were the people doing those labor jobs. Those were the people with the intellectual um, capabilities to understand why or how to do those jobs. And that's why automation is so necessary. And I continually argue, if, I'm sorry if I'm boring anyone who watches this show all the time, we never need to, to apologize for automation ever again. Because the generation that had to have those jobs that are now being automated, they've largely left the workforce. And they'll only continue to leave the workforce. And the workers that Rob and Brian are talking about that want to be that we want to attract to the workforce don't want manual labor jobs. They're staying away from them in droves, right? So um, we have to think about this as the generational shift that it is, and the only way to um, to get supply chain back on stable footing is to allevi- alleviate this labor shortage, regardless of all the other things. I'm glad this was number one. Yeah, as mentioned, agreed. Okay, a couple of quick comments. Uh, first off, going back to what Rob said. Uh, can you just hear someone get off my pier? As it, as Rob, Rob was talking about, everybody's fishing off everybody's piers. I love that visual, Rob. Okay, uh, and I saw the new Tom Hanks movie Auto last night, which is really what uh, uh, the visual that came to my mind. Y'all check that out. Oh, um, that's the like that's good. old man, right? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know, but it's really it's a really good movie. Y'all should check it out. Um, Jeremy. Eskridge, Kansas is where he's tuning yeah. from. Thank you for that. West of Topeka, I think. That's right. So. Uh, Denali, well, welcome in from Dubai. Great to have you. Adam's talking about, hey, can we get recent retirees back into the work via income tax breaks? That's a good one. Um, and then finally, uh, we have a uh, uh, LinkedIn setting sometimes prevents your profile from showing up like this. But Brian, Ohio, home with a dumb, dumb sucker. We've all had those like at bank giveaways. And Etch-A-Sketch. Who, who would have wow. thought? Two of the most worthwhile inventions ever, and I am not getting one bit. I mean, what what would um, dentists and other and doctors do if they weren't, they weren't for the dumb dumb sucker, right? Right. Or your accountant. <laughs> and etch a sketch. Oh, art in the palm of your hands. Love it. <laughs> art in the palm of your hands. Okay, so Greg, Rob, and Brent, we're just getting started, right? We've just tackled the first of these three big trends and labor shortage. Uh, I love how y'all defined it, and Bryant, you in particular, were sharing some 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 of the uh, simple and more complex ways that organizations are addressing it. Um, Rob, where are we going with the second big trend here? So the second one we'll hear more about is cost versus service. Right. So everybody is trying to provide the best possible service that they can to their clients. Right. But we're all in business uh, and we need to be able to do that um, and, and make money at the same time. Right. So so cost is is a very much a consideration in terms of how can I provide the service that, that my customers expect 
um, but at the cost level that that I can stay in business, right? Even more so with we talked earlier about sustainability, right? There's there's more and more pressure to you know pick the right carrier, do the right things, all all those sorts of things. But again, I, I can't I, I can't do that at the expense of service, right? So you know everybody wants on time in full. They want that that perfect order, right? You can't do it without data. Right. You need to have the right data at the right time to understand your current state. Right. What is my current on time performance? Right. And then be able to put a plan together in terms of how how am I now going to better serve my customers at a cost that's attainable and and sustainable. Right. Mm. Um, So, you know, are mode shift opportunities available? Can I still get the product to my customer on time, but do some mode shift or use multiple modes to get it there? All of those sorts of things. And again, you're not going to do it on Excel. You need a system to be able to do that. And you need a system that gives you answers to your questions now and potentially answers to the questions before they get asked by your customer. Meaning I need to know what's going to happen in the future. So number one, I can react to it. Or at the very worst case, I can notify my customer that there's either a disruption or something's going to be late or something like that. Right. So again, I'll pass it back to Brian. He'll talk about kind of some of those strategies and how you can do that. But cost versus service is is another topic of discussion. Bryant. Yeah, and it, it comes up almost every conversation that we have, you know, with our, our customers and our clients. Uh, what's nice is they're sharing how they're solving those problems with us. Um, and, you know, it kind of really just starts with visibility is where are my efficiencies and costs? Where am I paying more where I shouldn't be? Where's my opportunity to have some cost avoidance or pay less? Uh, and the same thing for service is how am I performing delivering to my customers? How are my suppliers performing delivering to me? Mm. Uh, those different types of things, you need to, to have the visibility, the data to identify where the problems are so that you can make policy changes. Uh, you can make uh, you know trade-off decisions where appropriate. I know Rob gave the example of mode shifts, but also uh, spot market utilization. You know, can I take advantage of a, a softer market and get a more competitive rate uh, than what I have at my annual RFPs? Or do I have the option to convert my payment terms with my carriers? Maybe they'll give me a, a higher discount if I pay early. Uh, you know, those types of things are really being considered uh, so that you know you can still perform at the highest service levels, but also you know not incur those costly penalties that you see with late deliveries and, and things of that nature. But I think you know the utopia is if you have the visibility and you have the data, can you surface things before they happen? Right? Am I about to miss a delivery to a customer. Okay, well, let's go call them and see if we can get a later delivery appointment. You right. know, it's really getting that data so that you can be ahead of the curve and not just react to the problem after it happened, but react to the problem before it happens. I like that. I love that. So many needless charges too that can be completely avoidable. All right, so Greg, we're talking about cost versus service for the heavyweight championship of the world. Your thoughts on what uh, Rob and Brian have shared, Greg? I'm glad services included in this because for so many years, I mean, Rob and I are old timers in this industry for so many years, cost was the only thing that people cared about in supply chain. And uh, I'm glad that services is included 
I wish it was a little bit more, we were uh, at a stage as an industry where we were a little bit more multidimensional because we have to think about supply chain as a risk balancing exercise, cost and service being two of those risks. Uh, one r other risk being ethicality, of course, which everyone is concerned about with ESG, and the other being brand equity, meaning there is no place to hide in supply chain now. And if you got, you are, your brand is at risk. So you, you have to recognize this sort of four headed monster that you're up against in, in addition to cost and service and consider it a, a broader risk balancing exercise. But I like the, the principles that you guys have talked about. Preemption is absolutely critical, right? Just being quick to react when things get messed up is not good enough anymore. You have to be able to assess and predict those risks and avoid or preempt or rapidly recover from those um, in this day and age because the expectations are way too high. And truly, there is nowhere for anyone to hide now. If anything has changed more than anything else in the industry, it is exposure, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone, um, look, guys, all four of us know, probably most of us out there in the audience know that when you went to a cocktail party in 2019 and said supply chain, you could literally watch people's eyes glaze over. <laughs> now they can engage you in conversation. And if they know that you're in supply chain, they might come up to you with questions or ideas. God help us. Ideas um, <laughs> or just opinions. Um, so that's the whole point here is that everyone knows that since the great toilet paper shortage of 2020, it wasn't Target's or Costco's fault that toilet paper ran out. It was the paper mill. It was, you know, Charmin. It was whoever else. It was the trucking companies. They understand the commerce ecosystem and the intricacy, not the intricacies of it incomplete, but they understand that it's just not one throat to choke. There are lots of throats out there. <laughs> okay. I love how you ended that. Um, and by the way, Rob, uh, lots of excellent points made, but one in particular, it's not Excel that you need. You need a system, a system, not a spreadsheet. Okay, let me share a couple of great, <laughs> great comments here. Mark poses a wonderful question. Why are so many organizations still blaming COVID for a reduced standard of service? Mark, one of our dear friends, great to see you. Great question. Tech says uh, re realistic delivery schedules should be committed from everyone who is involved in the businesses. That's powerful alignment there, Tech. Great point. And Adam says the cost of bad service is painful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right, Adam. Great to have you here. Ask bed, bath, and body work, or bed, bath, and beyond. Mm, man, no kidding. So, um, all right. So if you're keeping count at home, number one, the first of the three trends was labor shortage, right? Uh, number two, cost versus service. Man, Greg, Rob, and Bryant really brought that home. Lots of great comments there. So, Rob, what is number three? Number three is kind of the catch-all bucket, which is digitization, right? Mm. So it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, kind of de depending upon where you are on, on your maturity uh, curve in, in terms of digitization, right? But it kind of goes back to the comment I made, you repeated, that Excel no longer cuts it, right? Excel's not going away. Uh, I think it's the number one application in the world, uh, probably will continue to be. But with everything we talked about thus far, you know, labor shortage and making people more efficient and, and cost versus service, um, you can't do those things or, or get better at those things using Excel, right? So you need a system 
um, that provides timely, accurate information, right? And it needs to be able to come from multiple different sources. You're not going to be able to figure all this stuff out with the information that just um, is within your four walls, right? You need to be able to pull information from third-party sources, again, whether it's your vendors, um, your customers, your carriers, um, digital freight brokers, whoever it happens to be, you want to bring as much data as you, as you can and make proper decisions in a timely fashion. Um, you want to have that information actionable. Uh, you need to be able to report off of it either within the system or to be able to export it to a data lake and do some more strategic uh, analysis. Um, but again, depending upon where you are in that digitization, uh, the key is get it in a system, get it in one place and make it actionable so that when you see something that doesn't look quite right, uh, you can take the appropriate action. Yeah. Okay, Rob, I love that. Um, all right, so Bryant, what are you going to add to that when it's all about digitization? Yeah, and you know, this I really think of digitization as a journey. So, you know, you're not going to just wake up tomorrow and your supply chain is going to be completely digital. It, you know, there's steps you need to take to get to a more effective and resilient supply chain. I mean, if you're in Excel today, you're as, as resilient as Excel is. It's not very, uh, <laughs> you're very risk, uh, you're at high risk there if you're still in Excel. Um, but yeah, that's what we still see is like, just get out of the Excel sheet, get into an application. But it's the things that we've been talking about to this point is you can't do any of the, uh, labor shortage mitigation. You can't do any of the trade-offs with cost for service if you're not out uh, on an application. So you, that's kind of your first step. But what that does is it enables you to do the next step, which is connectivity, right? Is once you're in an application, you can start connecting to upstream suppliers. You can start connecting to downstream customers. Uh, you can connect with your partners, your carriers, uh, your third parties that help you in, in your supply chain efforts. So, uh, you know, as part of that journey, right, is you're going to get into an application, you're going to go through a connectivity, but that then opens you up. And if we're going to go back to our, our breakfast scenario, now that you have the meat and potatoes uh, ah. for your breakfast is now you can start doing other things. You can start <laughs> doing procurement. You can start doing modeling. You can start doing pro providing digital twins. So now you're getting more advanced and more sophisticated in how you can manage your supply chain, which is really going to open up those opportunities to uh, make you more efficient, drive those costs down, improve your service. Um, and if you're lucky enough, you're on an intelligent application that is uh, self-tuning, self-configuring, continuous optimization, all these things that, you know, are driving out all the inefficiencies that we have within the supply chain. So uh, these technologies are getting better and better and better every day. Yep. And, uh, you know, we're, we're happy to, to help our customers in that way. But uh, the first step, as you said, get out of Excel. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, um, Brian, I can't believe we're, we had this breakfast theme going. It, I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really, and thank you for playing along. It reminds me of that age-old consultant joke, I think it was, uh, about breakfast, where uh, the chicken is engaged in breakfast and the pig is committed. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> so, um, Okay, so, Greg, digitization. I know one of your, one of our favorite topics to talk about. I really like how Rob and Bryant have really addressed it, especially from like that agnostic point of view. Uh, so your thoughts about digitization, Greg? Well, we talked about the fact that there is nowhere to 
hide in supply chain, right? And um, the, the fatal flaws with tools like Excel, anything that is a non-centralized technology are um, the accountability of the data and the logic, um, the, the rapidity, the, the, the speed with which it can process, and, and the scalability to a large enterprise. And those are the things that, that companies don't realize. And I think there, you know, there are some other dangers aside from Excel. Excel is the greatest danger to supply chain, full stop. But there are some other, there are some other um, issues. There are technologies out there that actually facilitate you taking the good data that they've built good science around and outstanding processes that are efficient and rapid and scalable. And then they allow you to pull that out into Excel and do whatever kind of pro, you know magic you want to do in your dark corner of the office and then plug that back into the system. Right. And, and part of the reason for that is, is because so many, because let's face it, we're technology people. We want to sell technology. And some companies just simply ex in insist on having that person or that group of people who sit in that dark corner, massage the data or do whatever special thing they're doing with it, and then plug it back into the system. So now there are systems, there are possibilities for you to do that kind of activity in a technology that has a core and central database where that accountability that scalability and and the accuracy of those processes and data can be verified. So mm. um, please, please, <laughs> please do not kill your company by continuing to use Excel. You are slowly killing it. But as you get to a certain level or a certain level of expectation by your customers of pace and accuracy, it will definitely kill you. Mm. Excellent. I love that. And an Excel spreadsheet with 17,000 macros is does not is not a replacement for enterprise wide technology platform. Um, okay. Now, share, let me share a couple of quick comments here. Um, let's see here. Starting with Jeremy's Jeremy's got a great take here. Digitization doesn't always get ground floor user level buy-in, which prevents Excel from going into the museum of history. That's a great point, Jeremy. Mm -hmm. um, let's see here. Adam says some people think blockchain is the answer to, to y'all's earlier points, but this is just an enabler to create comprehensive digital systems and platforms. This is an interesting comment, Adam. And then we've got lots of questions here around um, uh, from Karen about robotics and packaging, from Kevin talking about sustainability and selection, to even Naranj talking about uh, EVs. We'll see if the team after today's live session can get to some of those great questions. So thanks for, for contributing. Um, okay. Greg, Rob, and Bryant. Man, jam-packed. I wish we had an hour per each of these three trends. But um, but what I want to do, for everyone's benefit here, for, for maybe the three people that don't know Rob, tell us what Manhattan Associates does in a nutshell. And this is where I get like an extra hour, right? Because you're asking. <laughs> nice. Okay. Everything. Everything that you do. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'll try and do this rather succinctly. Um, but at Manhattan, we are a supply chain software company at the highest level. That's what we do. It's our focus every day. And we mainly, we mainly focus in three different areas, right? One is uh, Manhattan Active Omni, which is kind of our order management suite, distributed order, order orchestration, point of sale, et cetera. Second pillar being Manhattan Active Inventory, which is more forecasting replenishment. 
And the third pillar is warehouse and transportation management, right? Um, we excel in all three pillars. Uh, we're market leaders in all three pillars. Uh, we invest substantially in research and development. But what I'm about to talk about next is what I think really sets us apart. Okay. We are an extremely stable company. You guys probably know as well as anybody, there's been a tremendous amount of disruption in the TMS space, uh, especially a lot of companies being purchased, some being discontinued, some being um, you know, divested. Uh, we have been in business since 1990. We've had zero debt since our inception. Uh, we are not influenced by private equity. We are not for sale. We don't go <laughs> on buying anybody. We are singularly focused on those three pillars of supply chain management software, right? Um, we implement our own product, which I think is very important, okay. right? We very much take pride in successful implementations and therefore we implement our own product. Uh, we ensure the success of those implementations. We get a constant feedback from those implementations since it's our people giving them, it goes right back to research and development, right? So right. this will improve the product, improve the implementation process. We have that constant feedback. I think it's a huge advantage. And lastly, we take an incredible personal approach to customer support. Right. In today's world, customer support means someone sends you a URL, you log your service requests, they send you a knowledge base, and they expect right. you to solve your own problem. That is not the approach at Manhattan Associates. What we do is we assign you a service engineer that in most cases came from our professional services organization, understands the product, how it works, understands you, the customer, how you're using it, what your workflows are, et cetera. We give you a phone number and a URL, but you can call the phone number. That person will answer the phone and help you through the issue. Either they okay. will call it or they'll escalate it up the chain, but it's very much a personal approach in a world where that rarely happens anymore. So I think having the best products and leaders in all, the, all of the categories, the stability of our leadership and our company and the investment in our products, the fact that we implement our own products and that we support them with a personal touch is what Manhattan is. Okay, Rob, you spiked the football as if back in your playing days, you just sat in the quarterback, oh, picked up that football, and <laughs> scored the TD. And we didn't find out what – and that's he all that's fact. Yes, <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, that's all. <laughs> well – and we hadn't found out yet, folks. We found out in the pre-show that Rob played uh, collegiate football, but we haven't gotten his nickname yet. So we're gonna we're gonna get our investigative reporting team on that. Rob, thank you for that holistic view of what uh, all the uh, I know it's tough to do in a couple minutes, but I appreciate that. Let me share a couple quick comments, and then we're gonna bring Brian in for some different ways you can connect and engage with uh, the whole team. Um, so, folks, I love Chuck's comment here. I'm not gonna be able to show it because it cuts off our guests, but uh, Chuck's a dear friend. Um, he's a supply chain veteran. He is a military veteran. And now he's going out to high schools uh, and middle schools and educating our students on what supply chain careers are all about. And going back to Rob and Bryant, the first trend that we all talked about, man, that's that's part of the solution. So, Chuck, keep doing what you're doing. And we hope to have you in the Atlanta area soon. Uh, let's see here. Mark. Loves this conversation. Excel is the biggest competitor for just about right. any technology provider. Very true, right? Um, let's see. Good big show, Bob Bova. Great to see you, Bob. The biggest challenge to the Excel conundrum is the not invented here perspective. Companies really feel that no one understands their secret sauce, workflows, and it's a lot of work to convince them. That's an excellent point. Love and that. finally, I love having yeah. that discussion. 
Yeah, let's have that discussion next. One person sitting in this dark corner in this office could know better than than people who've implemented technology to solve this problem thousands of times. Mm. Right? That that's a that's a hard conversation that needs to be had by someone not trying to sell to that company. But that is one of the stupidest arguments <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> All right. I'm willing to sell, as you guys can tell. So. That's right. <laughs> All right. One, one more comment here. Vanessa says, Excel can also restrict the understanding of full data context. If it's not in the spreadsheet, the value of complementary data gets lost. Vanessa, excellent point. Mm -hmm. Man. Um, okay. So it's funny. Well, we'll, I'll, we'll all beat up on Excel. And then as, as I wrap this up, I'm going to go do some personal finance planning in Excel, right? <laughs> um, but anyway, so so Brian, what we want to do next, there's... there's um, uh, a couple things, a couple different ways, folks, in person and virtual, that folks can connect with y'all. And the first one I want to bring up is we got ProMat right around the corner, right? Uh, up in Chicago, the beautiful city, great food, great all-around city uh, of Chicago. Um, and let's see, the Manhattan team is going to be at booth S, as in Sam, 3875. So, Bryant, what will y'all be doing beyond having a few adult beverages, perhaps, from time to time. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is another good conference. So, you know, we just did Manifest, and uh, now we're doing, we're going to go to ProMat. And this is, again, this is good for us to connect, share best practices, understand what the problems are, how people are solving them, uh, so that we can continue to make our industry better, right? So we're going to be presenting on three different topics while we're there, but also, you know, stop by our booth. We'd be happy to to have a conversation with you and uh, network and, and, and share war stories. That is right. Uh, and they've got them. We try to get more of those stories out of Rob and Bryant because we know there's a lot more. But uh, join them at Booth. Again, we got that in the visual, Booth S3875. And uh, to this user here, hey, the third trend was digitization. So number one was labor shortage. Number two was cost versus service. Thank you. And third one was digitization. Uh, okay. So... Uh, from there, let's go to um, another a virtual way that folks can connect with uh, really Rob and Brian again. So get this, folks. Uh, we've got a live webinar. Yes, uh, really sexy, right? A live webinar on April 6th where we're going to be unlocking the secrets to the unified supply chain, a platform approach, not an Excel approach. So, Brian, back to you. Why should folks join us for that live webinar on 12 noon on April 6th? Yeah. So, you know, we talked a lot about what the problems are today, but I think what's going to be interesting in the April conversation is what are people doing from a platform perspective to solve some of these problems in a more unified way? Um, so taking a quick look at my notes uh, in Excel, uh, this is April 6th <laughs> at noon. So um, looking forward to the conversation. It's going to be great. So go ahead and register for that and uh, looking forward to having that conversation with you guys in April. Love that. Man, Bryant right on time, looking at my notes in Excel. And by the way, did y'all catch that what, that uh, headshot, good-looking good headshot of uh, Rob Schaefer there? How about that, man? Uh, upgrade there. Good stuff there. Um, okay. And, yes, Mark Gillum, Oscar Garcia, digitalization and spreadsheet bashing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark, you're a good one. Um, okay. So, folks. Uh, it's new, new book. It's coming yeah, out shortly. <laughs> that's right. Hey, Greg, um, bringing you back in here. We've got a couple opportunities. We've had a full conversation, first off, with Rob and Bryant. Really appreciate their approach here. I think we're all leaving this conversation with a couple new ideas and thoughts. 
Um, we shared a couple different ways, you know, ProMat up in Chicago. Y'all check them out. And then with the upcoming webinar, which will be a good one on April 6th. Unfortunately, Chuck Baker will not join us because he's going to be teaching supply chain at a high school in South Carolina. Good stuff there, Chuck. Um, but Greg, uh, why should folks, I mean, your view, you know, whether it's ProMat, whether it's webinar, or whether it's just grabbing a, you know, a beverage with Rob and Bryant on the side, why should folks do that? Well, I mean, every chance, the whole point of these gatherings is to get together with people who know the problems that you're trying to solve, right? And I think we've established that both Bryant and Rob, they're not looking, they're not hammers looking for nails. That's exactly the opposite of what they advocated. So my suggestion is that when you're talking with folks like Rob and Bryant is you come to them with the problem that you want to solve and the outcome that you'd like to see, and they can help get you there, right? So when you're looking for it, a solution. I see too many people trying to prescribe the process by which the problem needs to be solved. And usually it is because as we've talked about here, that emulates the process they're using in, in spreadsheets today, or it emulates the way that they do it in their other uh, manual or, or systematized processes that may or may not be efficient. And what Rob and Brian and all of their folks are used to doing is breaking down why you have to do it the way you do it today and whether that's a good thing and giving you alternatives to say, hey, you know what? If we did this way back here in the process, you wouldn't have to check to make sure that data is right right here before you make the decision. Things like that can be done. So um, that's what I would say is focus on outcomes, represent the, the problem, and let someone else help you shape the solution because chances are good. Uh, I just, you know, Rob, you were talking about um, how long, how long Manhattan has been around. I was the very first customer to use PKMS wow. in 1992. Okay, Northern Automotive in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, we were also the very first customer of JDA software in around the same time. JDA doesn't exist. The other two companies that I have either worked for or owned also don't exist anymore. And we, we competed or or collaborated with, with Manhattan at various times in both of those companies as well. That's the kind of staying power that this company has. And I have long, Rob, I don't know, I don't even remember if we've talked about this, but I have long lamented the fact that there are so many Johnny-come-latelys to the mm. TMS space. And do we really need that many TMS systems out there. I mean, is it really that specialized that you need yeah. one for this industry and that industry and the other industry? Um, but th there is definite power in staying power. And I think if we haven't seen it over the course of the technology apocalypse of the last year or so, um, you're going to see it as the economy continues to slow and as the fat premiums in the transportation industry continue to plunge down to sustenance or below that levels. So Rob, man, Greg, that was uh, fascinating. We're going to have to have a, um, a look back. Uh, well, I was thinking about all there. that as, as yeah. Rob and Bryant were talking, I was like, okay, E3, JDA, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so Blue Ridge, <laughs> other companies that I have worked with or, you know, or collaborated with these guys on and, um, or competed with them on, all yeah. gone. Every single one of them gone. Man. And those, and those were not slouch companies either. They were 
quite successful and got gobbled up uh, by one company or another. But, you know, these cats remain independent. Nine billion dollar market valuation. Man. This very moment. Okay, Rob, I bet you're chomping at the bit. Anything you want to respond to there? Well, I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm certainly not going to argue with anything, uh, uh, especially about you know the process he said he should go through. So I, I would say you, you know anyone out there should consider us your supply chain psychiatrist, and you can come lay on our couch <laughs> and tell us the problem, and we'll, we'll work on those together. Oh, yeah, man. Feel. I, love, <laughs> uh, I love that. All right, no, yeah, that's that's genius. <laughs> I'm going to, so let's wrap on this. Uh, it's a two-part question for both Rob and Bryant, since y'all both will be in Chicago. Two-part question. First one is, what is one food item that you're looking forward to in Chicago or a restaurant or what are you looking forward to being there other than ProMap? And number two, how can folks connect with you both beyond ProMap, beyond the April 6th webinar? How can folks connect with you? So, Bryant, let's, let's switch up the order here. Bryant. Yeah, there's a, a little known uh, taco shop uh, off Michigan Ave that I'm looking forward to stopping by, grabbing some tacos. So if you're in the area, grab happy to grab some tacos with you and uh, talk about your problems on our uh, <laughs> official, unofficial supply chain psychiatrist uh, couch. But uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, happy to have conversations in, in that forum. And uh, you, know, you can connect with us on uh, manage.com as well. Wonderful. Thank you, Bryant. Uh, Rob, your two-part answer there. So I won't have it, but what I would love to have when I went there is I do like Chicago-style pizza. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, Diogiano's is, I think, the place I like to go, uh, but I'll probably pass. But that, that would be the food I would want to have if I was having what I want. Love uh, it. Uh, in terms of how do you hook up? Well, the same way as with Bryant, right? Uh, LinkedIn through manage.com, uh, happy to connect, right? And, you know, if you're at ProMat, stop by. You know, our approach is hopefully you saw, we like to have a little bit of a good time. So, you know, uh, come talk to us. We can, have, we can have some fun, but we can solve some real problems and help everybody be successful. Wonderful. And folks, if you do join Rob and Bryant up in Chicago at ProMat and you happen to pry, Rob's playing days nickname out of him. Make sure you share with us here. Share here. Watching that yes, please share here. <laughs> All right. Uh, wonderful conversation. Mark, uh, Mark encapsulates it nicely. All jokes aside, Bryant and Rob raised so many great points here. I can't imagine working in the supply chain sector without good software. Excellent point there, Mark. Um, okay. Rob and Brian, always a pleasure. Rob Schaefer, Vice President of Transportation Management Sales with Manhattan Associates and his uh, dynamic uh, colleague, Bryant Smith, Director of Product Management with Manhattan as well. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you again real soon. Thank, thank you. you very much. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thank you. Gregory, man, that was, that was a bunch of fun. And uh, there's so many elements to this. Supply chain psychi psychiatry? Um, yeah. maybe a new, new sector, new, new business opportunity it's been um, around for a long time. I think it's, it's always been needed because we would be crazy to go into this trade. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it usually comes in a six pack, uh, supply chain psychiatry, <laughs> but that might be the self soothing. <laughs> All right. So Gregory, um, uh, we, we've really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the pre-show, enjoyed the last hour. Got a I know we couldn't hit everybody's comments here. I really appreciate everyone weighing in with what they see and whatnot. We've got, uh, folks, we've got the links to connect with Bryant 
and uh, Rob on LinkedIn. Y'all check that out. You'll enjoy that. Um, thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate that. The pride of Kansas. And I'd love to know that CPD, that might be a new certification you got. Let us know. Um, Greg, uh, I know you have uh, shared a, a, several highlights already of the last hour, but if you had to boil it all down as we start to wrap in one key takeaway that folks have to, if they forget everything else that Rob and Bryant dropped on us here today, What's one thing that they got to leave this conversation front of, front of mind, front of mind? The, the reason that those three things are so, so important is because precisely because there is nowhere to hide. We have, as supply chain professionals have been asking for a seat at the table for the influence, for the um, voice in, in uh, industry. And now we've got it and we have no excuse not to perform. The budgets are there. The awareness is there by the consumer and by the the executive suite and by your colleagues in your company. And they get it. They get that there is incredible importance in the supply chain. And now you have to perform. So congratulations, gang. You've got what you asked for. Right. We're, We're finding out what happens when the dog catches the bumper. (laughs) Yeah. And you're alluding to that old adage, you know, uh, the dog finally caught the car and doesn't know what to do with it. Right. (laughs) So, um, Greg, well said, and I I really enjoyed, um, some of your walk through, uh, kind of evolutions of industry, uh, clearly, uh, with Manhattan and how the industry has evolved. So a lot of good stuff, but you know, one final thing to folks, you got to, you got to lean on the folks, the experts out there, right? Not as Greg put it earlier, the Johnny come lately, right? You don't want to, don't uh, hook your wagon to those folks. Um, uh, but regardless, Greg, always a pleasure to knock out these conversations with you. Had a lot of fun today. Yeah, likewise. It was a blast. Let's do it again. <laughs> again, or maybe a, a thousand more times. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but hey, had a great guest. Thank you, Rob and Bryant and the whole Manhattan Associates team for today's show. Thanks to Catherine and Amanda and Chantel, all the folks behind the scenes in production. Thanks to all the folks who showed up. I know we couldn't hit everybody out there um, across the landscape, but I really enjoyed all of the comments. Folks, we try to deliver great ideas and perspective and market intel to you. But hey, it's, it's up to you to take that, take that football and run with it and take action. Deeds, not words. And with that said, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. We'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.